welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Anne Poirier. Having overcome her own eating, food, weight, and body image challenges, Anne Poirier wrote the book, The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance, to share her highly personal and life-changing journey. She is the leader of the Body Joyful community, a private, non-judgmental space to empower women, regardless of size, shape, or weight, to feel comfortable and confident in their bodies and selves. Anne is a certified intuitive eating counselor, eating disorder specialist, and self-talk trainer. Hi, Anne. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Same here. Thank you so much for saying yes. Um, so for those who don't know anything about you, can you just give me a little a brief description of who you are? Sure. Uh, my name is Anne Poirier, and I'm the author of The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance, and the leader of what I call the Body Joyful Revolution, uh, really stepping into allowing women to feel empowered and feeling comfortable and confident in their bodies, regardless of size, shape, or weight. Cool. I love that message. Okay, so let's get back to let's you know let's go a little further. So you were born mm-hmm. in, you were born in Topsfield, Massachusetts. Was that right? yes? That's correct. Well, I was born in Boston, oh, and okay. then I lived for most of my uh, young years in Topsfield, Massachusetts. Yes. Okay. So, what was like growing up in Topsfield, Mass? Well, it was a middle class, you know, working community and small town. Mm -hmm. And it it was a lot of, you know, a lot of kids in the neighborhood, a couple of elementary schools, our elementary school was down the street, not too far, Uh, regional high school. So that was a different switch for many of us in our particular town to Mm -hmm. meld into a couple of different other towns. But a lot of just a very kind of normal upbringing in a small town. I was kind of a tomboy Mm. um, playing, you know, climbing trees and catching pollywogs and <laughs> those kind of those kind of things i guess okay. uh, and there weren't a lot of girls in the neighborhood so i ended up playing you know either by myself or with some boys mostly oh, okay. So, yeah okay well so mm-hmm. yeah you, you so you called yourself a tomboy i mean mm-hmm. was it just because of like you said just now there weren't enough girls there so you played with boys or was that how you felt? Was it by distinction made by someone who made you feel that you were a tomboy or just because of the circumstances of where you were? I think a little combination of both. My mm. mother kept my my hair really short. Mm. Um, I was a little, you know, I was a little on the clumsy side, but I was all, I was very active. So I was mm. always kind of going. So that, you know, that was part of it, too, is that I would just be running around or looking for things to do. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of gravitated towards activities, you know, uh-huh. kicking balls and throwing balls and um, bouncing on pogo sticks and jumping rope, you know, all those kind of things. So huh. that was a little combination of both of those things. I didn't like dresses. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to wear pants. Uh-huh. And I wanted to be comfortable. So you know, I think that there's a series of little things that no one mm. really told me that it was just mm-hmm. the way I kind of grew, grew into. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So how did you come to be, to be where you are now? Well, I, because of kind of this upbringing, I did gravitate towards sports mm-hmm. and activities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in 
uh, elementary school. Gym was my favorite class. It was the my favorite place to be. Uh, and yet, once I got to middle school and junior high, mm-hmm. it really wasn't because we had uniforms that were horrible. My mm. body didn't look like the other kids. And I, I kind of spiraled into a, um, a really dis- disordered, disordered period of time with my own body image and mm-hmm. eating, mm-hmm. you know, from 11, 12, 13, 14 in that range. So seventh grade to ninth grade, which wow. I don't really remember much of. So oh, okay. mm, uh-huh. that was a that was a tough time for me. Uh, when I kind of came out, I was actually diagnosed with anorexia nervosa and spent some time in the hospital. Mm. When I kind of came out of that um, into high school, I shifted the kind of addiction to food and counting calories and all of that towards mm. a sport. So I played soccer and that carried me through right through college. And wow. with that particular sport mm-hmm. uh, and enjoying sports and liking that the physical activity, it was also kind of connected to my body. Mm-hmm. So I went into fitness and mm. I spent many, many years uh, in the fitness profession as a fitness professional. Uh, and that kind of fed my disorder on my body image even more. Wow. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, it wasn't really until about six or seven years ago when I was kind of hitting another bump in the road with my own addiction Mm -hmm. towards food and exercise, uh, binging behavior, over-exercise, compulsive Mm over-exercising. That's when I said, you know, I think I'm part of the problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) and realizing how much a part of the problem I was. So I went to, you know, I went to seek therapy Mm -hmm. from seeking therapy and getting on some medication for myself and also going back to school and trying to learn, you know, a different way to see myself and a different way to eat and a way to see my body and all of, I just really trans, I I stepped out of fitness and Mm -hmm. transformed the work that I do to what I am doing now. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, so going back, um, so this started pretty much during middle school years. It kind of like grew from there. Mm -hmm. uh, So how did you, I mean, how was it in terms of you fitting in with, I guess, your peers? Um, And did you have um, friends who felt the same way like you did? Uh, did you have, uh, you know, what, did you find girls tip, um, similar to what you were going through in, in middle I, school? Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. I think that I disconnected from the, the girls because I felt so isolated. I mm-hmm. felt so different than anyone else. And because okay. I felt different, um, there were some really, really good athletes and I wasn't quite there. I was Mm -hmm. right in this middle space where Mm -hmm. I felt just I like I didn't fit in anywhere. Okay. And and by isolating and stepping away and then Mm -hmm. blaming my body Mm -hmm. for why I didn't fit in. So I Mm -hmm. blamed the size of my body and it Mm -hmm. had to do with it must it must do with the size of my body that I don't fit in. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to really take control Mm -hmm. of what I put in my body, how Mm -hmm. I moved my body and all of those things that spiraled into um, a pretty severe disorder with anorexia nervosa and eating disorder. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you are the author of The Body Joyful. I love the okay. title, by the way. Um, Thank so you. So you kind of told me a little, you, you kind of said a little bit about it. But, I mean, what prompted you to write it? Well, it's it's a lot of things. When my body started to break down and I started to see things differently, going back to school, um, I met an instructor in my eating disorder class in Mm -hmm. one of my eating disorder classes that I had to take a person and and put them on what kind of what kind of plan would I put this person on who was a binge eater who was you know working Mm -hmm. in an industry and you know what would I do to help her Mm -hmm. and as I started to to do that I realized how many different kind of modalities really could make a difference, you know, when it comes to how we talk to ourselves and mm. our self-talk and mm-hmm. self-compassion and uh, how we think about exercise and movement. Right. Why does it have to be connected to uh, calories burned or mm-hmm. the size and shape of our legs, uh, that kind of thing? Why does um, certain, why do certain foods be, are they labeled good and why mm. are certain foods labeled as bad mm-hmm. so uh and and all of these other things you know self-care right. and how we see our bodies and how we talk to our bodies as well as ourselves so all of those things I started to sink my teeth into mm-hmm. so to speak uh-huh. and that's when I realized wow this is what I want to do I want to I want to teach other women mm-hmm. that there are so many things that impact our weight that we're not taught. We just we we aren't really educated on why dieting doesn't work for the most part mm-hmm. due to our bodies and our body's responses and all the things that we see in society when it comes to diet culture and societies, what I call society's thin ideal. Mm-hmm. That yep. we're just we're not made to be all look the same. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. can we how can we look differently at ourselves and start to allow that to filter down to our young people, you know, because just the five, six, seven year olds who are already on diets. And Mm -hmm. that just breaks my heart. Yeah. And that, that actually like floors me when I hear about that. I'm like, uh, what, (laughs) why? I know. You know, and, and those are the, those are the years where you're like, you should be carefree. You should just be like playing. That's five, six, seven. Playing is the mm. most should be the most important thing, not dieting. You know. So exactly. And and, and it's, exactly. it is unfortunate because society has placed a huge amount of pressure, you know, mm. on women from whatever age you're at, like however young you are, and it is sad. Um, that's yeah. why I love. I really like took to your book and I really I read it from cover to cover and I'm just like whoa you know it's like this could really you know there were parts of it that I was like huh now that makes sense you know and and I'm yeah for someone like me who I mean I've been lucky gee genetics <laughs> sake, you know mm-hmm. um right so for me you know I've never really yeah I, I like food so I will eat it but then I also know when to stop but there's so many women who who don't um, necessarily, um, I guess, feel the same way about their idea of food, like I do, you know? Mm. Um, and for me, food is, is something that I enjoy, um, mm-hmm. and that's 
that's the way it should be. It shouldn't have to be like, you know, oh, well, again, it's like I'm not everyone and I'm not, I'm I'm myself. I, I, I have my own way of looking at food. Not everyone else does. So I'm hoping that this, like, you know, if they read your book, um, and I do, I do, I am promoting it <laughs> because mm-hmm. I, I really think it's it's the way you, you thought about it and you've lived it, you know, and I think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing to note is that you've lived it through this. So it is quite an eye-opener for someone who may be going through it or may not even be going through it because you're like, you're doing, you're looking at it from a different lens. So yes, mm-hmm. thank you for that. Um, yes. But I, I want to go back to, like, in college, you were in a soccer team, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. you also created something called, in your, it's, in your neighbor, uh, it's called The Neighborhood, and your, mm-hmm. mini, and your mini-me's. So <laughs> why did you create these terms? And, and if you don't mind, I'm going to say what the mini-me's were, which was, you're a failure, Phyllis, you're a fat mm-hmm. pig, Paula, stupid mm-hmm. Sally, and Captain mm-hmm. Criticism. So mm-hmm. what were those names about? Well, I what happened is, is I really I realized how much I was putting myself down. Mm. Uh, how common, how second nature, how automatic, mm-hmm. how almost unconscious my negative voices were. Wow. So and I could really hear them. Um, extremely loud Mm -hmm. and all the time it was constant so no matter what I was doing it was a constant um, you know inner critic Mm -hmm. in my head Mm -hmm. and when I started to to step away from I call I use the step backs in the book too but when I think about stepping back we think about stepping back and like looking like at as a uh, bird's eye view Mm -hmm. kind of over our life and there is there was a moment that I was complaining to someone and it was almost like I, I was outside of myself complaining hmm. uh-huh. to myself. Uh-huh. And that was the first first time I realized, wow, you know, either stop complaining and get over it or <laughs> yeah. do something about it. Right. 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 And that was my, that was the first time that I actually was kind of I identified right. separately from the voice. Uh-huh. And so when I when I started to name the first name, I just had this mini me. I just kind of called her called her my mini me. And she just was so mean and Hmm. um, had all these voices. But then I was able to say, well, boy, that one is all about my weight and my body. And that one is all about being like feeling stupid, feeling like a failure. I can't Hmm. do anything right. So. Hmm. It was these were all very kind of specific Mm -hmm. and Captain Criticism came about a little bit later when I was just always criticizing and judging myself or comparing myself to other people. So it's all of those all of those things and just saying, hey, if I can uh, separate them a little bit from who I am. Mm -hmm. So they're part of me, but they're not they they aren't me like mm. that's not me mm-hmm. whose voice is that oh that sounds like that sounds like what something my dad would say or oh that sounds like something one of my coaches would say mm-hmm. so I was able to kind of understand that all of my own inner voices of which I thought were mine mm-hmm. were actually kind of these voices that I took on mm-hmm. from my environmental experiences got it yeah 
all the way through my, you know, all the way through my upbringing from five, six and seven years old to, you know, 30, (laughs) 32 years old. Right. So Mm -hmm. one, one person saying one thing, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden uh, waterfalls into all these other comments that I'm saying to myself. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I was able to step away from them and realize where they all kind of came from Mm -hmm. and just look at them all differently. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's when I started to make a change and saying, okay, if all of these voices have been with me for 30, 40 years Mm -hmm. and nothing's really changing, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, how is that working for you? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not not really all that great. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that's when I started to kind of shift over and say, well, if, if I, utilize this as this neighborhood you mm-hmm. know kind of use this neighborhood analogy mm-hmm. then we need to move some some different more compassionate stronger nicer kinder voices into the neighborhood mm-hmm. and move mm. some of these guys at least you know out of my bedroom right <laughs> maybe yeah. either next door or right. just somewhere a little bit different so they're not always oh. voicing their opinion right yeah. in my ear all the time yeah and making me continue to feel you know, bad about myself. Right. 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 So, wow. mm-hmm. so, it, so you were also, um, okay. So you were also, one of the other things that you did was you became a firefighter. You, mm-hmm. were, you worked in a fire station. Um, mm-hmm. And so what, how was that for you? And <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know too many women who work in a fire station. I'm sure they do. But what made you decide to do that? Well, I wasn't making very much money in fitness at the Mm, time, you know, out of college, right? So Mm -hmm. I was looking for something where I could make a little bit more money. And I was always kind of looking to get acceptance Mm. from other people, right? So having people look at me and appreciate me and accept me as, you know, um, somebody who was worthy. Uh So I'm not sure if it, it comes from that worthiness place, but I do believe that's that's part of it. Mm -hmm. So I saw an ad in the paper a couple of times over and I said, you know what, Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Uh Number one, Uh I think I can do that. Number two. So Uh why not give it a try? And I also think people would probably, you know, I knew that my parents, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I knew my parents would be proud of it. Uh Right. So, so there's that piece. I think that those those parts followed me along all of my decision making was, mm. you know, how will people how will people see me? How will people respond to this? Ah. And if I think that they're going to respond positively, right, and um, accepting of it, uh-huh. then, I, you know, I, I jump, I have jumped on those, those trains. So I was a firefighter for five years. Wow. Um, and I was the, I was the first woman in the particular fire department that I joined. It was in the eighties. Huh. Um, so it was, you know, and it was, a, it was a, a good experience, okay. but also a hard experience. So yeah, I would imagine, um, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Gave me some confidence for sure. Oh, in a lot of different gosh. ways. So, um, yeah. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, like men looked at you like, huh, she can do this. Look at her. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So okay. that is, a, I think that's part of the reason I did it too, mm. right? To get that kind of, um, you know, wow, mm-hmm. that that kind of a uh, response from people, I guess. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And and yeah. you also, you also became a surrogate for a couple. Now, mm-hmm. why, why did you want to do that? And how was that experience for you? 
Well, I had, I loved being pregnant. Mm-hmm. So everything, in, and you, you kind of see how everything ties in in the book. I loved being pregnant and pregnancy was uh, freedom for me mm-hmm. with food. It was an, it was mm-hmm. a, it was a peace offering. It was a period of time where I didn't have to worry about necessarily food in my body. I allowed myself, I gave myself permission Mm -hmm. to not really worry about it. And Mm -hmm. I had really great pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was something that I knew I loved being pregnant, number Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another, this was another thing that just kept showing up. And you know, those little voices that we tend not to hear, the little voice that says, oh, sh- maybe you should try that or sh- you, maybe you should call that person or mm-hmm. um, you think about someone or something and that little voice and we tend to go, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So I pushed it aside for a long, I would say probably six weeks before actually making the step to say, you know what, I would really like to do this. Mm-hmm. I was adopted myself as a mm-hmm. child and this allows um, a family mm-hmm. to, you know, have a child who are, they're unable to. Wow. Um, and I know that my body works and yeah. I know that I like being pregnant. And so hmm. that's, you know, we, I stepped into that whole process, which was a, a fairly long process mm-hmm. um, and a wonderful, an absolutely wonderful experience with the couple and with the, with the babies and with the pregnancy, everything wow was was fantastic and i and i knew exactly what i was getting into mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. and then after the babies were born there was a, a very distinct kind of um oh gosh now now look at where i am mm-hmm. you know being after you after you give birth mm-hmm. again and this this time i had a c section because they were both breached mm. so my body was you know in a completely different place It's my third pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 45 when I gave birth. So I wasn't young. I wasn't a young chicken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so my body had changed. And then all the kind of disordered thinking started to kick back in again about Mm -hmm. getting back, you know, Mm -hmm. getting back into my field, which I was still a fitness professional. I was still working as a fitness professional. And, oh, what are people going to think if I can't get my body back into shape? Wow. So that spun me off into a different direction again. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, uh, that started a spiral for me over the course of maybe three or three years, I would, is a, a rough estimate, um, where I was con- continuing this disordered behavior for mm. about that period of time before I started to, to reach out for help, ask for help. Wow. And that's kind of where the transition mm-hmm. started. Oh. So, mm. okay, and you also talked in your book about the idea of sandboxes. I, I <laughs> like that idea. Um, so, what was the idea behind that, and was it helpful for you? Absolutely, I use that phrase "sandboxes" and the analogy of sandboxes with all of my clients. We all have sandboxes. We all, mm-hmm. um, our families, even talk about sandboxes now so it's Mm -hmm. a great it's really the best way to describe it is for a person to identify the things that are theirs Mm -hmm. that aren't somebody else's to discuss so when I met my um he's now my second husband when Mm -hmm. I met him though I just told him that 
my body and food are kind of off the table when it comes to discussion. Mm. And um, that was a real important piece for me to just say, I don't need somebody's opinion on, on how I look, mm-hmm. my body, uh, or what I'm eating or what I'm not eating. Mm-hmm. Because that was mm-hmm. that I was working on that. I was trying to figure that out. So I didn't need anybody's help. So this sandbox analogy is kind of a nice way of saying that's really none of your business. This hmm. is mine. Right. <laughs> so okay. um, this is my sandbox. Uh-huh. And so I don't if I want your help right. with whatever I'm doing, I will invite you into my sandbox. But other than that, it's it's not yours. Yeah. So this is mine. I, I, I'm dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with the food that I'm eating or I'm dealing with my body. Um, and that's not up to you. Mm-hmm. You have your own sandboxes. Right. <laughs> so, right. okay. you know, and I think we jump into a lot of people's sandboxes because we want to help. Right. Um, especially yes. as women or as moms, mm-hmm. we want to fix and we yes. want to help of course. what's happening. So yeah. the next thing you know, you have six sandboxes that you're in <laughs> trying to help right. all these people and you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, so. I never really, I, I never realized that until I, I read your definition of that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because it, it makes sense, you know, you can't always... As like you said, you know, it's like as moms, as women, we love to nurture, we love to help, but sometimes you just can't. You know, you, that that mm. person has to be able to deal with that without having any help. And you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully they will ask for help. But until that happens, it really should be okay. That's that's your sandbox that you need to deal with. And then, you know, if you need me, then definitely ask. So. Yes. Yeah. I'm here if mm-hmm. you, if, you know, for you. Right. Yet it's, it's their decision, you yes, know, to, sure. to get help or to ask for help or to, to make different choices. Yeah. Because um, wow. we can't make them. No, you know, I not think. at all. We yeah. want to. We yeah, want to exactly. Sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh. yeah. So what was the, um, what was the tipping point for you with regard to weight loss and how you saw yourself and, and, you know, did you have an aha moment? Well, I think there's a big aha moment um, that I do share in the book as I was actually getting ready to have a certain surgery to actually help me continue to pound on my leg and, and do the exercise that mm-hmm. I wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. uh, you were also was, a runner, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And okay. it was running was running was really a a a way of getting back in shape after the surrogacy. It Uh, it was something that I kind of kicked into. And all of a sudden I was, I called myself kind of a closet runner because I'd hmm. run really early in the morning. No one really even knew I ran Mm -hmm. for a long time until I started to, you know, do more and more of it. And Mm -hmm. it was a little bit, it was a little bit over the top with, Mm. um, with my running. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was, if you think about the pounding of, you know, group exercise, which I did in the 80s, jumping wow. up and down, yeah. and then um, pregnancies, and then all the running, wow. and I had a, I had a knee injury in oh, college, uh-huh. so my my knee was just really in bad shape, and I was, it, I was in a lot of pain, and mm-hmm. I went in to actually get a, a surgery that the doctor said, well, you know what, once we do this particular surgery, you know, you'll be able to do whatever you want. So Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm in, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to continue my own, um, basically my own addictions. But when he came in right before I went into surgery, he said, I just want to let you know that if your knees, you know, 
too bad when we get in there. I'm not going to be able to do this particular surgery because it's, it's just not going to take hold. Mm-hmm. And they never told me that prior to. Wow. So it was really kind of a punch in the face. And I said, oh, yeah, wow. I knew as soon as he said that he left yeah. uh-huh. and I, I knew right away. I'm like, oh man, wow. why did I even agree to this? Mm-hmm. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, I had that whole spin out with a whole series of mini me's mm. uh, in my head. And mm-hmm. that's when I got out of that particular surgery. And of course they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having a full knee replacement, not that much long after, because oh, wow. that was, that was the only thing that would work. Right. And, um, and with that said, modifying behavior, I had some time to really step back and rethink the mm-hmm. way I had been living my life. And mm-hmm. that was really the turning point for me because it was during that time that I I applied to, you know, eating disorder program mm-hmm. um, at a college and I stepped into doing some, a bunch of self-help, you know, started mm-hmm. reading things like Brene Brown and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. some, some self-talk, uh, Shad Helmstetter and some self-talk work. And, and I just started searching and seeking for, other answers in a, another way to live really mm-hmm. another way to live my life so right. wow yeah. Huh. yeah i mean that that's really incredible you know i'm you must feel like i'm glad that the, yeah the doctor said well i'm glad that the doctor said if i can't fix it then that's it you know you can't really because mm-hmm. had he not done that would your um way of thinking changed I don't know. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. that's one of those thoughts where you hope it would have eventually, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was so, I was so programmed and I was such in that um, cycle Mm -hmm. or on that treadmill of just continuing to punish my body uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Uh And what was, you know, I don't know if, that didn't happen. And I didn't have that quiet time to be with myself because Mm -hmm. I was always not trying not to be with myself Mm -hmm. by doing, you know, all these other things. Right. Being distracted and and making sure you're not thinking of it. Yeah. (laughs) You got it. You know, it's those numbers, those numbers. We, if we don't like an emotion, we go find something to take us away from the emotion. And I, and I had to sit with the emotions and Mm. that was the best thing that I could have done. Um, I, I look at my life now and go, um, I can I can see it yeah. uh, in a in a completely different way mm-hmm. um, than I think I was when I was living it. There were really hard times and right. great times, mm-hmm. and wow. now I can see well. All of these hard times were really just stepping stones for me to to find my way to this place and mm-hmm. do the work that I do now with that's, with the people that I work with. So that's great. Okay, yeah. so um. Why do you think people are obsessed with weight and weight loss? Well, I, it's it's all around us, number mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, we live in a, uh, I call it a weight-centric kind of paradigm where mm-hmm. weight and health are equal. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you weigh a certain amount, that means you're healthy. That's, that's what they, that's a, uh, the medical profession tries to teach us. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I always say to people, we all we all know people who are in smaller bodies who mm-hmm. are healthy and some that are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And we know people in larger bodies who are healthy and some are unhealthy. So I try to disconnect right. this size of 
size, weight, and shape from health mm-hmm. because it's it's more about how how we live our lives and our behaviors mm-hmm. than about the size of our bodies. Right. And yet, everywhere we look, yeah, um, that's just the way that society has been for mm-hmm. generation after generation after generation. Right. You know, and yeah. we learn from our parents. Right. And if I our parents say, are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if our parents are weight conscious, then we're weight conscious. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that um, genetically, we're we're not supposed to all look alike. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be different. Right. That's why some people are tall, and some people yeah. are short, and some people have freckles, and some people yeah. don't. And our eyes are different, and our you know our shoulders. You know, that's why we have football players mm-hmm. that are linemen, and then football players that are quarterbacks, and. You know, they're all different sizes and shapes because mm-hmm. that's the way we were made. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Not one size fit all. It's for exactly. Sure. <laughs> exactly. And yet that's kind of what we see everywhere yes. is one size fits all. And, right. and that's that can be really damaging. And mm-hmm. especially like we said before to our our young people. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I really like when I was reading your book and I'm like, yeah, you know, and, and I think a lot of it, too. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think culture has a lot to do with it also, you know, depending on the culture where you come from. Um, Yes. And, and, you know, and the dynamics in the family within that culture is also can also be um, can also be complicated. So, you know, it is it's it's yeah, it's a lot of factors. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Society, culture, Mm -hmm. um, how we grew up, um, where we grew up, you know, our economic stature like there's so many things that go into it mm-hmm. yeah, um, for th- sure. that we really you know we want to just open the door so that that people can see that yeah for sure okay so yeah. from your book it, one of the things that um that i liked that you suggested regarding self-care is building mm-hmm. building a self-care toolkit you label the box as follows the quickie Time out, mm-hmm. take sixty, and yeehaw. Now I love this, <laughs> but can you? But can you like elaborate more on the idea behind it? Yeah. Well, we don't. Um, I think that self care has been. Oh, it's been run over a few mm. times. You know, it, it's. Oh, it's. I can't take time for self care because uh, you know I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, or uh, it's a selfish act to mm-hmm. take time out for yourself and. What I what I try to do is just say self-care is is not anything like that. Self-care is taking care of you mm-hmm. um, in a way where, you know, fueling our bodies, moving our bodies, laughing, connecting right. with friends. Yeah. It's all these things. It's not just um, getting a manicure or uh-huh. a pedicure or uh-huh. which is is what kind of self-care has been hmm. uh talked at talked about as that's mm-hmm. been the definition and so I kind of switched the definition of it and then what are the things that we can do in any given day in f- in five minutes mm-hmm. that just bring us joy right. you know it can be music it can be meditation it can be um texting a friend it can be yeah. writing a c- quick card there can be so many little things that we can do that um that take care of us, whether mm-hmm. it's our, our physical self, our emotional self, mm-hmm. or our spiritual, you know, social or spiritual self. Yeah. So, um, and then, so we have the quickie, and then we have something that's a little bit longer, you mm-hmm. know, 15, 20 minutes, half hour. Um, and then the take 60 is, you know, when you do take an hour, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a walk, or mm-hmm. I, I am going to um, take a long bath, or, mm-hmm. you know, something that's going to be a little bit longer, that's really going to 
um, make sure you're taking care of you. It mm-hmm. could be going out to coffee with a friend, right? Mm-hmm. So those kind of things. And then right. highs, you know, let's, let's jump in and take a road trip and, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, spend the afternoon driving down the coast and taking right. pictures and, you know, really fill in our cup. Mm, so I love uh, those distinctions because, mm. uh, you know, and, and I agree, I think a lot self-care has been kind of like this whole catchphrase now, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's been, yes, uh, and yes. it's just been, you know, uh, um, I guess, defined as, like you said, it's like, well, it's this way of thinking, but no, it, 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 it's, there's so many other ways of defining self-care um, which gets lost, you know, because people just think it's one way and it, it, mm. it shouldn't be because, and I love the distinctions because, you know, like the quickie, I said, oh yeah, I was like, I remember because when I start, <laughs> it's like my husband like laughs at this, but he, he actually thinks it's so, it's quite adorable or whatever. But he says, <laughs> I like, you know, when you're, when I find you in the kitchen dancing as you're cooking dinner and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but I mean, it makes me feel good, you know, especially when there's a good song, I'm just dancing and I'm like making food and whatever. Yeah, it's mm. like, it, it puts me in a good mood. You know, I mean, I, I'm not really a good, I'm not a cook per se. I love food, but you know, sometimes mm-hmm. like making um, something almost every other day, it's like, eh, it gets monotonous. I'm like, so I'll put my tunes on and I'm like, cool. Yeah, I, I'm good with this, you know, but something, mm. something like that, I think. It does. It it does shift your, it shifts your um, outlook. It it really shifts your mood, mm. you know. And, yeah, and your I mood. Love that. Yep. Your mm-hmm. mood. So if if mm-hmm. you're and I, I say to him, it's like, well, if I'm in a good mood, then you're in a good mood, <laughs> you know. Yes, so, right. So, yes, right. Um, but I love I love the distinctions, and I think it really you know it really encapsulates a lot of things about the person itself, not just a facet of this of the person. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, mm. You also suggested a two by two by two movement or two times mm-hmm. two times two movement formula. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what is that? Well, it's interesting because with the way that I've always seen exercise and what the fitness industry as a whole kind of talks about is that you should have a, you know, you should work out a certain amount of time. You should do certain things. Mm-hmm. You should get your heart rate to a certain you know, percentage. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these kind of rules and regulations around what is deemed as a workout. Mm -hmm. And what I I try to do is pull away all of those kind of numbers and sit back and say, what's most important? Mm -hmm. And most important is just finding things that we like. Mm -hmm. If, if, if something's going to be sustainable, which is we want movement to be sustainable. We know that movement is, is good for our bodies. So um, by thinking about what is it that you like to do and what is it that your body feels good doing, Mm -hmm. because not all bodies feel good doing Mm -hmm. whatever it is that, you know, the fitness industry wants to kind of put you in for the, the time of, the year Mm because they say you know every every year it's something different right um so the the two by two by two we kind of um i i think about as walking is so essential for independence Mm -hmm. you know for keeping us independent it gets us from point a to point b Mm -hmm. um it is such a an intricate part of our lifestyle Mm -hmm. that two of our movement kind of activities it walking is walking is part of it Mm -hmm. so when we think about this two by two by two, a lot of times I start, 
I start people out by just pick one thing mm. and we start with one and then we go to two and then we go, to, you know, two oh, by two God. or one by okay. two. Right. So it becomes this is kind of the the overall um, picture is this two times walking, two times just play any kind of we call it play fit, anything you want to do, mm-hmm. whether it's hula hooping or walking mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. swimming or dancing or right. whatever you want to do, pickleball, right. you know, uh-huh. whatever that is. And then um, two times a week trying to to do some sort of functional strength. And when I say functional strength, I mean something that keeps the muscles and the joints strong mm-hmm. so that we can live our lives the way we want to live our lives. Mm-hmm. So I look, I look at a bigger picture. What do you want to be able to do with your body? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to be able to travel? Do you want to be able to get down on the floor and get back up? What do you want to be right. able to do with your body? Uh-huh. And then how can we reverse engineer that back to just some functional movement that will continue to keep your legs strong enough to, to get you down and up off the floor. That'll keep your arms strong enough so that you can carry your groceries or carry your laundry or mm-hmm. um, pick a, pick a grandchild up, those mm-hmm. kind of things. So we, we're looking more at our living function and how to keep our muscles strong mm-hmm. for those things versus going to the gym and doing specific a specific routine that is is just a a routine for a particular um, muscle groups it's mm-hmm. more of a overall function mm-hmm. so those, that's our two by two by two so that way we're kind of getting a little bit of everything we're not overtraining anything um and it seems to be something there's there's no time limits if you have five minutes and you do five minutes of of some functional strength that's great mm-hmm. so there's no time limits on anything it's just let's just move our bodies and disconnect movement and exercise from weight loss or size and shape. And mm-hmm. just think about it as this is, this is me enhancing the quality of my life. Uh, okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a quote in your book that says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. How, mm-hmm. how has that saying impacted your way of thinking? That's from Wayne Dyer. You know the great, the great Wayne Dyer, mm. which I love. Um, and when um, I thought of the name of the company, which is Shaping Perspectives, it's mm-hmm. really looking at how can we see our bodies differently. Mm-hmm. How can we see food differently? Mm-hmm. We can look at food differently. How can we take a look at um, exercise differently, mm-hmm. and how we take care of ourselves differently, how we talk to ourselves differently. If we could start to look mm. differently at all those things, right. boy, hmm. the way we live our lives is completely different. Hmm. So it, re- it really opened my doors. I, I use the, the phrase, um, it's the quote from Victor Frankl, between a, a, a stimulus and a response, there's a space. Hmm. And in that space, we have choice. And I really believe that in that space, we can shift our perspective, right? Oh. And we can shift the way we see something. Yeah. Um, but we have to, we just, we just, it's noticing that space and taking that breath and right. taking that pause mm-hmm. and saying, okay, if this, if I've always done it this way and it's not really working, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it's time to look at it from a different perspective and see it differently. And what, what does that look like? And what response can I make from that place? Wow, I like that. And and have you um, been able to incorporate that even during the pandemic? Well, yes, because 
now things there are certain things that are are out of our control mm-hmm. right there's more yeah. there are more things that are out of our control now yes, for so sure. noticing what's out of our our control and then noticing what's in my control and what's in my control mm-hmm. is the way i the way i feel about myself and mm-hmm. the way um i respond to other people the way i interact with other people mm-hmm. um the choices that i make mm-hmm. can be mine right. that i can control because that's really all we can yeah. control right now yes, is for sure our own choice our own choices yeah no, <laughs> Unfo- sure. you know it's mm-hmm. unfortunately but that's that's the way it is yeah so huh. okay yeah. thank you um yeah. for answering that so is there someone you would credit for where you are now um it's there's so many people <laughs> um I do definitely give credit to my husband now. So I, I, I do talk about my ex-husband in the book a little bit Mm -hmm. and I am remarried. So, you know, he has really helped with my own self-confidence. So many Mm -hmm. mentors I've had Mm -hmm. that have helped me. My, the writing mentor, Nancy Arany was a wonderful person that gave me confidence. I think it, it was people that, uh, opened my eyes to who I was outside of who I thought I was. Hmm. I don't know if that made sense. No, but, it does. Definitely. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So I mentors mean, like yeah. that, I think, are my biggest, are my biggest um, factors in hmm. making my change. No, mm-hmm. I love that because, you know, these people saw you for who you ha- have always been, but you never really saw Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. Until exactly. until you decided, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> it's like, yes, I think I'm done. I think I'm ready now for something else. So right. And if any of those people coming back to the sandboxes, if any of those people were to jump in my sandbox when I wasn't ready, oh, it yeah. wouldn't have worked. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You so, weren't ready. You were just like, mm-hmm. nope. Leave me. <laughs> it's like you yes. do your own thing. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And yes. And, and, yes. and yeah, I I get it. Um, so mm. can you mention a time when you thought you needed to do something that could affect your life and others? Um, I think seeing how impactful other people were for me mm. and realizing that if I can shine that kind of a light onto others, mm-hmm. that could make a real impact in their lives. So that is kind of, I think, Think about think about what I would love for the world to do is if if people could see themselves the way you know some of their best friends or their loved ones see them mm-hmm. that could make such a big change. So that's kind of the the I try to shine a spotlight onto people who don't necessarily feel good about themselves mm-hmm. due to all kinds of reasons. Right. Yeah, um, and that's it's empowering and it also is a ripple effect so Mm -hmm. um and that's i don't know i I don't know if i answered really that question either but that's kind of no you did i i want to i'd like to make role models for Mm -hmm. our next generation you know how can we how can we create role models for our next generation by having um people who are older Mm -hmm. moms and such Mm -hmm. you know feel different about their bodies not looking at them in their mirror or ripping off clothes or (laughs) calling themselves you know right ugly or fat or stupid or any of those things we just that's that's learned you know from Mm. from parent to child so Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for that 
Yeah. So, do you have any personal goals? That's mm-hmm. that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I'd really like to do now that I've written that first my first book is I do want to write something for the for the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost have this this two point vision now of something that um, I can write for you know the six seven eight year olds mm. to to see themselves differently. And then also I think there's this space where as we age, Mm -hmm. aging can be a really difficult time for Mm -hmm. how we see our bodies and ourselves. And so those are the two kind of um, edges of the, uh, of what I'm thinking about trying to create something like the book that I just wrote around Uh that, because I, I I like the writing process. It's, I, I really enjoyed writing this book and um, I, I don't know that that's, mm. I guess those would be my goals is to, to get some more books okay. out there in the world. That would so. be amazing. Uh, that would yeah. be really cool. Yeah. Cause you are yeah. targeting, you know, um, you are, you are targeting these, um, I guess this, this market of, of people who not necessarily would have known anything about it yet. Or at least, you know, in terms of when when you're talking about um, population of women who are aging, then, you Mm. know, there's so much more going on over there because it's unfortunate because there is this, you know, um, thinking that as you age, you're not as worthy and you're not Mm. as important. And so, you know, there is that (laughs) unfortunate um, thinking and, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's... There's definitely, you know, a lot that hopefully, you know, um, your book can address. Um, mm. If you decide to do that, that would be amazing. And, uh, yeah. you know, because there, there's really a lot that, you know, between the younger the younger age and then the population that is aging, you know, there's the, mm. the middle is already covered. There's a lot of that in the middle. Right. But it's the two, the two edges, like you said, definitely, yeah. I think you need... Uh, that needs to be addressed because yeah. not too many people talk about it, you know? Yeah. And there's um, so much wisdom. And, mm-hmm. and as we, as we get older, right, there's so yes. much wisdom that can be shared and, mm-hmm. and had and uh, oh, enhanced and yeah. learned, you know, learned from. So, oh, oh my gosh. Yes. We get <laughs> <I love that. laughs> to shine a light on that too. I yeah. Guess. Uh, so so mm-hmm. is there something you haven't yet tried that you would like to do outside of the books? Mm. Um, I'm not sh- I, I'm not sure if there really is because <laughs> okay. it, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I have always wanted to do more of is swim in the ocean and I don't mm. do that because it's, you know, it's cold here mm-hmm. in Maine, so <laughs> I don't get, but I have, I have thought that that could be a fun, you know, get a wetsuit and, and do some actual swimming swimming in in here here in Maine because mm. that would be um and in, I love the water and it's soothing and comforting and healing mm-hmm. and so maybe doing something like that would be oh. something I would like yeah. to do something so. outside of of what you're doing that would be mm-hmm. really cool so yeah. what are yeah. your goals for the body joyful revolution the body joyful revolution is a space and place where women can come it's a women's group, kind mm-hmm. of a community of women, regardless of size, shape, or weight, that they can come in and feel heard and mm-hmm. seen and safe and protected. 
um, and a place where we can change the conversation around bodies and weights and shapes. So I just want to grow that community to as many people as we can, because it takes a village. Mm -hmm. And in this case, when we're fighting diet culture and society and culture, the way it sees um, women's bodies and has seen women's bodies for a really long time, we're fighting an uphill battle. And so Mm -hmm. the more people we can get on a different side of this coin, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. and feel differently and step out and say, you know what, I don't care. The diet industry wouldn't be so strong if we weren't buying into it all the right. time. Yeah. So sure. um, I think that's that's part of that. You know, I'm okay as I am. I don't need to look different in order to say that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that this is my body and my body, you know, does all these wonderful things. And so it, it doesn't need to, I don't need to change the shape of my body in order to be um said I'm okay right for people to say I'm okay or to feel worthy Mm. Um, so it's just the more people we can get involved in there the more ripple effect we have Mm -hmm. around everything everything so Mm -hmm. so what does the future hold for you continued uh living a life of joy in Mm. my body Mm. (laughs) you know joyful body and eating for pleasure and um being kind and compassionate to myself and then and then hoping that that ripples out into other people and mm-hmm. continuing to work with women to to let them know that they are enough and mm. they're they're worthy just as they are and that they can they can live a life of joy. I mean, life isn't always going to be joyful. There mm-hmm. is there is pain and we have there's pain in our lives and grief mm-hmm. and and there is joy and we can learn how to to navigate the waves of both of those without it always feeling like it's we're never good enough to mm. to to feel good about ourselves and um that's that's what i want to do is continue to share this with other women continue to write and impact if i can that way and and live a joyful life so that's great yeah. and yeah. uh where do you see yourself in five years in five years, well, living closer to my new grandson. Oh, and, that's uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, congratulations. So that's, yeah, so I think that I, I would really love to be a part of of his life mm. um, more than I was a part of grandparents' lives as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So uh, doing a little bit of babysitting probably mm-hmm. and then continuing to impact the world through the work that I do. I so, love that. That's so yeah. cool. So on... Yeah. Um, is there anything, okay, well, if anyone wanted to get to know more about the body, revolu- uh, the body Joyful, how would they do so? The Body Joyful can be found, um, you know, any place books are sold. And then the Body Joyful Revolution is a private Facebook community that you, you, it's free. You can join. Um, you just have to search Body Joyful Revolution and you will find us. And mm. it's a great space and um, a great group of women who are there right now and lots of great resources and conversations going on there. That's so. great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners? That you have, you have choice, you have choice, you have different choices if you choose to, to look at some things a little differently. That's, and I mm. think that, that that's empowering to know that that is available to us. Right. If we, okay, if we open our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And what can you say to young people who might want to get involved with the Body Joyful Revolution? 
oh, contact me hmm. right away because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want the young people oh, to jump, have people jump on board early is mm-hmm. what this is all about, you know, because they can make such a big difference. They have strong voices and yes. um, great ideas and lots of different talents and gifts. And if we can, if we can start to get more of uh, our younger generations on board with this kind of thinking, boy, Hmm. it's 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 exciting to me if we can do that so yeah what a what a world that would be huh i know (laughs) i know confident confident young women Mm -hmm. is uh that's a that's a a great a great culture to look forward to Mm -hmm. so So if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago what would it be oh i don't know you know i I used to think of that and have a list of things, but right now in the space and place that I'm in, Mm -hmm. I think that everything was designed the way it was supposed to be Mm. for me to end here um, and to, or to not end here, but Mm -hmm. to be here now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't know if I would change anything because then that would mean that I would be in a different place and I'm not so sure I want to be in a different place. So, yeah. Okay, and my last question would be, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? You're okay. Mm. (laughs) You know, you're okay. Your body is okay. Mm. Um, Just because it doesn't look like the other kids, it's, you know, it's it's not supposed to look like the other kids. Mm. You know, you are, we are all supposed to look different. And if, um, yeah, if I could, if I would have known that, then I think that that things might have been different. Although, you know what? I just said that I didn't want to change. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the advice I would give her awesome. is that you're okay just as you are. That's awesome. Wow. And <laughs> well, thank you, Anne, for being so generous with your time. And I sincerely like loved your book. It was such an eye opener for me. Um, so I'm hoping that you know, anyone tuning in will definitely look at your website and your, your Facebook page and, and get on the wagon, you know, Mm. Um, because because there's so much more to, you know, to how a person looks. It's definitely, you know, you, every person is different, like you said, and and we really should um, rejoice that, you know, we should, we really should celebrate that and not, you know, not put it in a box. So correct. That's mm. really cool. Well said. Oh my well gosh. Said. Well, thank mm. you again for for taking the time to be with me, and I look forward to, you know, finding out more about Body Joyful Revolution from you and going on your page. And, you know, um, please keep in touch. And I, you know, I uh, I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much, Tess. Thanks for sharing your audience and your time with me too. Great. Have a good day. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Anne Poirier on RevWoman.com. I will be taking a break for the holidays, but please tune back in on Thursday, January 6th to hear about our next Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays and Happy New Year. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break 
for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. <laughs>